0: Chapter Two of the Cliff Dwellers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narrated by Diana Tarrio. The Cliff Dwellers by Henry B. Fuller. Chapter Two. Well, Anne has heard from those Minneapolis people again. And she isn't any nearer making up her mind than she was before here's what they say added his sister-in-law she took a letter out of her bag and handed it to him oh said walworth he felt half relieved half vexed his wife stood by the window rubbing her forefinger along the edges of its silver lettering i don't see what ever put minneapolis into anne's head there seems to be a plenty of buildings right here she looked at the rough brick back of a towering structure a few hundred feet away and at the huddle of lower roofs between from a skylight on one of these a sunbeam came reflected and compelled her to move and plenty of dirt too if she's after real estate plenty to be sold and plenty of people to sell it i never saw a town where it was more plentiful she glanced downwards at the wagons and cars that were splashing through the streets after a rainy september night why shouldn't there be more people to shovel it too you see that sign stuck up everywhere the dealers i mean and can get to minneapolis in thirteen hours suggested walworth passing the end of his thumb along one of his eyebrows what's that after the trip west and then she can see for herself you take the cars here late in the afternoon and you get there in time for breakfast i believe i'd just let it drop said miss wilde if i happen to know positively of any good thing here they write a nice enough letter but i can't tell what state the building is in unless i see it and i'm merely taking their word that the ground is worth a hundred and fifty there's forty feet i wonder if all improvements in means that the street is paved. Drop it, anyway, said her sister, as if she were disembarrassing herself of some loathsome parcel. Look around in Chicago itself. You can see what you're buying then. Even if you do invest here, you are not compelled to live here. She became almost rigid in her disdain. Um, murmured Walworth in a non-committal way. the door opened suddenly and two young girls entered in a brisk fashion the first had a slight figure a little above the average height Today, people called her slender six or eight years later they would be likely to call her lean she had long thin arms and delicate transparent hands she had large eyes of a deep blue and the veins were plainly outlined on her pale temples she had a bright face and a lively manner and seemed to be one who drew largely on her nervous force without making deposits to keep up her account her costume was such as to give one the idea that dress was an important matter with her well frankie she called to mrs floyd you found your way here all right did you you're a clever little body or did miss wilde help you mrs floyd passed back the minneapolis letter to her sister and bestowed a ladylike frown on the newcomers she disliked to be called frankie but what is to be done between cousins jessie she expostulated softly indicating ogden in the adjoining room you can't think the girl went on to ogden redux how proud my cousin is of her ignorance of chicago she knows where to buy her steaks and she has mastered the shortest way downtown, and that's about all frankie dear where's the city hall how should i know returned Frances Floyd with weary disdain. "'Why, there's the corner of it!' cried Jessie Bradley at the window. "'Not two blocks off. It's big enough to see.' "'And she's been here a whole year, too,' cried her husband, proudly and fondly. Mrs. Floyd drew Jessie Bradley aside. "'I know I'm very ignorant,' she said, speaking in a low tone. "'But there is one thing you can tell me about, if you want to.' why have you been so long in getting up to the office you said mame mame i suppose that means Mary. you said that she was going to stop in the bank for just two or three minutes jessie looked towards her young friend who was seated near ogden on one of the wide window-sills then she turned back to her questioner with eyes that were steady and perhaps a bit defiant well we stopped for a minute in that insurance office on the way up we came part way by the stairs mame said she had just got to see him i don't see how she can meet him anywhere else they won't let him come to the house i can't see that her brother has treated him so very well mrs floyd's regard travelled from the culprit before her to the greater culprit on the window-sill mary brainard was a pretty little thing of eighteen with a plump dimpled face she had wide eyes of baby blue under a fluffy flaxen bang the brim of her hat threw a shadow over her pink cheeks and she was nibbling the finger-ends of her gloves between her firm white teeth mrs floyd considered this picture with grave disapproval and turned back to her young cousin a face full of severe reproach Jessie, i don't like this it wasn't a nice thing for you to do at all and i'm sure your mother would agree with me don't mix in any such matter. Let her own people attend to it. Mary Brainerd noticed this whispered passage and suspected herself under comment. Her face, rather weakly pretty generally, was quite flushed and brilliant now, and she looked out from under her wide hat with the forced audacity that a lightly esteemed nature may sometimes assume, and afterwards, to everybody's surprise, may justify. She began to chat brightly with Ogden her gaiety however was evidently but the spending momentum of some recent impact and the bright defiance with which she glanced around the group was not more a surprise to them than to herself jessie bradley crossed over to the window and found a third place on its wide sill walworth gathered the two ladies behind the shelter of his big desk and the minneapolis matter was resumed no said jessie as she settled down Mrs. D. Walworth Floyd doesn't know where the city hall is. She was in a slightly nervous state, and she caught hold of the first piece of conversational driftwood that came her way. I ought to have asked her something easier. Where LaSalle Street was, for instance. I wonder if she knows she's on it now. Well, Mr. Ogden is going to have a chance to learn all about LaSalle Street, cried May Brainerd, with the air of one who dreads the slightest pause in the talk he's going into the bank he tells me Well, that will do very well for six days in the week declared the other how about the seventh she asked with a twinkling directness are you an episcopalian or what what i fancy why in bourne i suppose i shall do as the romans do for the forenoon there are the newspapers of course then for the afternoon the races perhaps and in the evening well the theatre i should say that's about the plan at my house well i've never been to the theatre sunday evening nor any of my people and i don't believe that many nice people do go either perhaps you think that there are not any nice people in chicago i've heard the remark made well there are i can tell you just as nice as anywhere i suppose you've noticed the way the papers here have of collecting all the mean hateful things that the whole country says about us and making a column out of them i dare say they think it's funny i don't know but what it is there's my own father now he reads those things right after the market reports and time and time again i've seen him laugh till he cried yet he isn't any fonder of a joke than anybody else he says it's better to be abused and made fun of than not to be noticed at all how does it strike you she made a little mew as she recalled one or two of these national love taps and i must say it's awful too the sort of news that's sent out from here excursions and alarums and nothing else during the anarchist times folks down east were a good deal more scared than we were and i remember when i was at school i read in the philadelphia papers that typhoid fever was raging in chicago they gave the death rate in everything i came home as fast as i could i expected to find the whole family dying but they didn't know anything about it and they took my pocket-money to pay the return fare they were alive enough ogden smiled he saw that he was face to face with a true daughter of the west she had never seen him before and she might never see him again yet she was talking to him with perfect friendliness and confidence equally he was sure she was a true daughter of chicago she had the one infallible local trait she would rather talk to a stranger about her own town than about any other subject i think we shall have to reform you she went on presently in advance i believe the proper place for you next sunday would be st asaph's but it's high you understand come over my cousin has room in her pew there's a vested choir And when you have heard Vibert singing, she stopped as if to appreciate her own daring, like a child lighting a match. Mary Brainerd gave a little start and put her hand on her friend's arm, yet at the same time she blushed slightly, less perhaps in panic than in pride. You will learn what it is that brings Mame Brainerd all the way over from Union Park twice every Sunday. Were the words with which this sentence was mentally concluded it's like an angel she continued aloud a certain kind of angel she added to herself do you sing yes a little well then of course you play but that doesn't count do you write but everybody does that too i do or i did i carried off a prize once it kept me in flowers for a week well what is it dialect or psychological business letters answered ogden with a balking sobriety pshaw well then can you sketch or can you do anything in watercolours i did a lovely head of desdemona once in crayons that was at Ogant's. kodak ogden confessed briefly views along the wharves in boston some pretty bits from her own stockbridge my own story was in stockbridge our artist on the spot she clapped her hands together joyfully what else can you cook no neither can i can you keep books he asked in turn not a bit well i can you take the odd trick wait a minute though how about private theatricals she asked i have acted in them once or twice she looked aslant at mary brainard the girl seemed glad that saint asaph's had been dropped but she was hoping fearfully that it might be taken up again well father tisdow has everything just about perfect he's from st john the evangelist boston you know and you ought to hear little mike Besser. he's our butcher's boy only eleven sometimes he and russell vibert the other girl vibrated at this first audacious mention of the full name sing duets together and then her eyes rolled around the room in a mock ecstasy and rested on the group of elders whose three heads just showed above the top of the desk walworth's face made quite a picture of discomfort and distress as he rose from his chair with the effect of trying to shake himself loose from the complications that his wife and sister anne were weaving about him the whole building is full of them he said rather pettishly there are half a dozen on every floor but i don't know anything about any of them he looked inquiringly towards the window-seat ogden might how's that inquired the young fellow rising some real estate man mrs floyd's sister here has about concluded to cast in her lot with us she wants an adviser perhaps you happen to know of he took on the ingenuous air of one who was earnestly searching for information in the least likely quarter." Ogden laughed self-consciously. "'Well, now as a matter of fact I do. His name is McDowell. He's on the second floor above. I have a sort of personal interest in him. He'll be my brother-in-law within a month or six weeks.' A slight flutter among the women. The mention of matrimony. "'Do you want to try that, Anne?' asked Floyd we became acquainted with him down east last year ogden went on proud to show his newness wearing off he was working up a syndicate he calls himself a hustler he tells me he's just opened a new subdivision out south somewhere beyond washington park i believe i think you'll find him posted older people than ogden frequently go out of their way to run cheerfully the risk of advising others in business matters believe i'll see him anyway decided miss wilde like all women she embraced the personal element in every affair the people in minneapolis became mere myths now that she found herself so near to the future husband of the sister of the man who had just presented a letter of introduction to her own brother-in-law the chain was long to be sure and some of its links were rather weak but it served Mrs. Floyd arose, shaking out the folds of her dress and smoothing away the wrinkles that the last half-hour had accumulated on her forehead. "'I've asked Mr. Ogden to go to church with us Sunday,' Jessie Bradley announced to her. "'And he's going to bring some Stockbridge photographs.' First rate cried Walworth, relieved by any outcome whatever. "'Stockbridge! Why, that's where I did my courting!' Mrs. Floyd was caught in a melting mood. We shall be very happy to see Mr. Ogden, she pronounced primly. End of chapter 2